was a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Putting with the Matrix on March the 6th, 2009. For newcomers, look into Cutting Through the Matrix.com website, and you have hundreds of hours of previous talks I've given in the past to choose from. You can also help to keep me going by buying the books that are for sale there, and the CDs and DVDs, etc. And you can donate to me as well. And believe you me, things are getting very expensive. They always have been, but they're really going out of sight now as the so-called recession, depression kicks in. Also look into Alan Watt Sentinel.eu for transcripts of the talks are given, which you can download, print up, and pass around, and they're written in the various languages of Europe. You know, I've gone over some of the key players that help set up the format for a good part of the 20th century and into this century. And I've read from their books, the books by Russell, the Huxleys, both brothers, one writing under the guise of science fiction, the other one actually writing straightforward as a eugenicist. And I've talked about their plans for the human society. But interestingly enough, it was Julian Huxley, the first CEO of UNESCO, who was far more clear on the agenda because he said we must get people trained to believe in the devaluation of human life and this was necessary in order to depopulate the people and the planet as quickly and by any means as possible when we look at the wars of the 20th century and the incredible slaughters that went on much of it needless too and in civilian areas as well, things start to make sense to you gradually. When you see, as I say, art exhibits with corpses that are treated in plastics, hanging on wires in art galleries, that's all to desensitize the population for what's to come. And it's working very well. Most people really don't care about other people. And the news we're bombarded with is always about someone over there being slaughtered by all kinds of horrible and new techniques. I said years ago that the big eating machine that would go over to the Middle East would eventually find its way back home and will still be very hungry. And so you can imagine the reactions of people back home when the eating machine starts eating them. They'll run for cover and they certainly won't help each other because their own lives are important but not the lives of others. That's pretty obvious. Nothing shocks us anymore. Nothing shocks us at all. We've had nothing but violence given to us through movies and fiction for about 50 years now, escalating and escalating until there's blood and guts all over the place and it's standard fare for entertainment. All kinds of violence and sex combined with it. You need the two, apparently, this form of sadomasochism to titillate the senses to such an extent that you become desensitized to what you're seeing. And reality and fiction 
become blurred, especially when the fiction is so lifelike and so realistic. In fact, when it's attached to a human drama story with characters you identify with, you've just been brainwashed. It's as simple as that. Brainwashed. That's what really the entertainment industry is about. I mentioned before, too, of how those in Hollywood call themselves the culture creators to each other and on stage once in a while at Oscars. They call themselves culture creators. The same term that they used in the Soviet Union because they were quite open about it in the Soviet system that all entertainment was to be used to promote the communist regime and all of its tenants. Back with more after this break. Alan Watt were cutting through the matrix, discussing how the elite have always laid out their plans for the public ever since the days of Thomas Malthus, who in some high quarters is still being hailed as a hero for their cause. And whose cause is well, the eugenicists, you see. They claim there's just too many of the wrong sort of people in the world. And of course, when we tie it into a scientific age, and with the Huxleyan ideals, you find out that in their particular system, you have to have purpose in being born. And the purpose is to serve the system. You don't need everyone else being born willy-nilly. And so the new definition on what life's all about now, you see, we're accepting the fact you're supposed to have purpose in life, not just to live. One time you were born... And the purpose of, of life was to live. But not anymore. You have to have value to society. And this term is being promoted through all the behaviorists that are out there teaching on stage as they jump up and down and teaching motivational courses, etc. To increase, they're all saying, you have to increase your, your necessity to, to the society, to the system, to value to society. And I go right back again to what I said earlier where Julian Huxley stated that we'd have to teach people uh, of the devaluation of human life. Well, and I see that has happened already. I don't think anything can be shown on television in a fictional form or real anymore and having it really having an impact on the majority of people. It just is too far gone, to be honest with you. And... The other night I mentioned about the EU treaty, the Charter Treaty, that mentioned the fact that there's a, a form of killing, a lawful killing included in the Charter. And I read the part from the, the, the German who found this part in the Charter. I read it from, uh, from his expose on it. And here's some more tonight, because he didn't mention the actual articles. Now I've got them. And remember how they always plan so far in advance of what's to come. And remember, too, that they're terribly, terribly upset, terribly upset that Ireland wouldn't go, go along and sign the Lisbon Treaty. It would have put this charter right into effect. It's urgent to get it into effect when you realize what's really inside of it. Because here, it says here, 
This is to do with human life and the right to life. This is, this is everyone's, this is paragraph one, everyone's right to life shall be protected by a law. The second sentence of the provision which referred to the death penalty was superseded by the entry into force of Article 1 of Protocol Number 6 to the ECHR, which reads as follows, the death penalty shall be abolished. Now, that's penalty we're talking about in, in courts of law. No one shall be condemned to such penalty or executed. Article 2 of the Charter is based on that provision. Then it goes into an interesting little thing here where it talks about positive and negative definitions and how sometimes they'll use a positive definition, exclude the negative, vice versa, and sometimes it will mean both, which means that they've given themselves one big, big area to maneuver within, depending on the case. The provisions of Article 2 of the Charter correspond to those of the above articles of the ECHR and its protocol. They have the same meaning and the same scope in accordance with Article 53, Section 3 of the Charter. Therefore, the negative definitions appearing in ACHR must be regarded as also forming part of the Charter. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Article 2, it says Chapter 2 of the ECHR, deprivation of life shall not be regarded as inflicted in contravention of this article when it results from the use of force which is no more than absolutely necessary. When you realize what I'm reading here, you, you realize why they had to get this signed in a hurry, that they got Ireland to pass it, because the riots are coming, coming this summer, remember? It says, deprivation of life shall not be regarded as inflicted in controversion, contravention of this article when it results from the use of force which is no more than absolutely necessary in defense of any person from lawful violence. Number two, in order to effect a lawful arrest or prevent the escape of a, perf- a person lawfully detained. Here's the third one. An action lawfully taken when the purpose of quelling a riot or insurrection. So there's where they can use what they call lawful violence. By the way, uh, all other kinds of violence outside of the law is unlawful. And that's what they've always said at the United Nations too. The United Nations will be the only ones allowed to use lawful violence. Well, here's the EU talking about the same thing. So they can use violence and take life. Deprivation of life, it says, can be taken in defense of any person from lawful violence in order to effect a lawful arrest that gives them a wide scope too. Or to de- prevent the escape of a person lawfully detained. So if you run away, they'll shoot you. And then an action lawfully taken for the purpose of quelling a riot or insurrection. So now you know why it's got to be passed. These guys work way ahead of time and they know what's coming up because they plan it, you see. And then from an older article in the Wise Up Journal, the 25th of April 2008, it says, the European Union Charter of Fundamental Rights sets out in a single text for the first time in European Union's history the whole range of civil, political, economic, and social rights of European citizens and all persons resident in the EU. They're based in particular on the fundamental rights and freedoms recognized by the European Convention on Human Rights. It says here, 
it sounds wonderful, doesn't it? That is until you actually look at the details and see that just like the Patriot Act in America, it does the exact opposite of what it's supposed to do. To find out its true intent, you have to essentially read it back to front. Just like the Lisbon Treaty, all the wonderful stuff is put in the beginning, and all the real intent is saved for the end or masked in protocols, legal explanations, etc. Most people won't read it at all, or even just read a summary text, and people who have only read the good parts trust the rest will be similar. They then just go ahead voting without understanding the full implications. If you set a utopian tone at the beginning psychologically, we assume that it's how the entire text will read. This is not true. And we tend to block out conflicting messages later on, otherwise known as cognitive dissonance. When you read it back to front, you get some disturbing results. Here are a few examples from the ECHR to give you the real intent from the official EU Charter of Fundamental Rights websites. And once again, it goes into that, Article 2, Right to Life. Article 2, Subsection 2 of the ECHR, Deprivation of Life shall not be regarded as inflicted in controversy of this article when it results from the use of force which is no more than absolutely necessary. So it's up to the powers that be to decide how much of force is necessary. Everybody that's killing you will be doing so lawfully. That's what that means. Because they'll never have an inquiry. Well, even when they do, they're thrown out, right? In defense of a person from lawful violence, in order to effect a lawful arrest or prevent the escape of a person lawfully detained, in action lawfully taken for the purpose of quelling a riot or insurrection. The EU says that if the state's law enforcement officers can deprive you of your right to life, in other words, murder you while attempting to arrest you or during a riot, and legally your execution shall not be regarded as breaking the law or the article of the right to life. How many times do we have to be reminded that not reading a strict lawyer, a small print, can be perilous? It says here, too, a state may make provisions in its law for the death penalty, even though they're already, the beginning member said it would be done, done away with. Article 2 says, and from number 6 of the ECHR, a state may make provision in its law for the death penalty in respect of acts committed in time of war or imminent threat of war. Such a penalty shall be applied only in the instances laid down in the law and in accordance with its provisions. I think the U.S. has had a war on so many things, poverty, terror, you name it, drugs, and so it's continuous since 1933. And remember, these laws for the European Union are pretty well the same for Canada and the U.S. It says, that's right, the EU endorses the death penalty. You may have never heard that before when listening to the politicians or media glorifying the EU, but there it, there it is in black and white on their official website. Individuals can be given a death penalty for acts committed, and who decides what these acts are? In a time of war or even the threat even the threat of war, such as the war on terrorism. Just now here is the nice intro that politicians can promote. Everyone has the right to life. See, that's the beginning. It sounds all nice, right? Two, no one shall be condemned to the death penalty or executed. 
Article 52 of the EU Charter of Fundamental Rights also states the level, scope of them, and that a limitation on the exercise of the rights and freedoms can be made and provided for by law, those small prints. It also goes a step further by saying limitations may be made if it is in the EU's interest or definite interest. So they can kill you if you take part in a demonstration and they put in their provocateurs to cause a little riot here or there, and I'm sure they're counting on it. Very, very predictable, though, isn't it? Very predictable. Uh, these shysters at the top know exactly what they're doing because the futurists and the think tanks are guiding them. Be back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. You know, I've been talking about the desensitization we've had for probably at least 50 years. Always increasing every few years. The reason it's increasing in media and entertainment is because we have international census committees. They're made up of your national census committees. I actually think that the census board was there to protect the people and their culture until in 2001, uh, an article appeared in the mainstream newspapers talking about them having their international meeting. And, and all countries sent their censor boards there. And they said they'd achieved their objective to do with uh, making alternate lifestyles more appealing to the public by entertainment. And they were pushing even further. You see, they've taken polls and keeping their tabs on the public to see if we're ready for the next step and the next step and the next step into total degradation. And that's what they're really there for. Not to save the culture, preserve the culture, but it's part of the big agenda, as we well know, and I've gone over that often enough in my talks. And what was shocking was, about a week later, two professors who attended this meeting wrote identical letters in major newspapers, one in Canada, one in the States. And they talked about uh, that one writes for this, that, and the other will push for bestiality and, I think, intergenerational sex, which is pedophilia. You would not believe what's running this world. Most people would not believe it at all. In fact, it's their failure to believe it that allows it all to happen. They have the monsters run us. And I've been on a, a show before in Godbox Cafe. I'll put the link up there. There's an article there to do with Gaza. And it has a slideshow on it of a lot of the mainly children who were slaughtered over there by American high-tech weaponry. It's all American-funded, of course. And I wondered, going through the the slides, how many people truly in this day and age will even look through them. The new ages will turn away because it's too negative and they've been taught to be awfully happy all the time. But I, I wonder if the average person really feels horror at all. It's always, you see, if it's not your own that are being slaughtered, we don't seem to care so much. Look at the, look at the, uh, the ceremony
ceremonies around 9-11 and the big monuments going up over 9-11 when people at home are hit. And of course, that was used for propaganda purposes too for a long-term agenda. We all know that, of course. But where's, where's the Holocaust Museum for the Gazans who've been slaughtered in a cage, basically, in a cage from the air, like mice in a barrel. That won't happen, will it? Because most people don't really care. They're, they're foreigners, right? They're somehow different. Now, a lot of people will think, and I know this for a fact, uh, that these people are some, somehow subhuman. So see, eugenics doesn't have to start at the top. It can break down to the bottom level as well. Subhuman, why? Because they don't live like you. They don't share your values, your customs, your religion. So it's okay to slaughter them from the air. Do you know there'd be more outcry across the planet if some ministry of foresters and and uh, agriculture had slaughtered lots of animals in the forest. There'd be outrage about it. But the media reports a little bit here and there, and has a little bit of a trouble, yada, yada, yada. He might have been caught in a cage of borders that you could not cross. Very narrow. And getting bombed with phosphorus from the air. Made in the USA, a big present to Israel, and the helicopters that spread them. Or is it just too unpleasant to think about? Because I'm telling you, and I've said this for many, many years, this big eating machine is getting well trained over there, and it's going to be brought back over here. And who's going to cry for you when it's your turn? Who's going to cry for your children when they're lying in pieces? The slideshow, as I say, I'll put a link up on my website. It's not long. It's only a small one, really, compared to the carnage that went on there. And it's from La Voz de Aztlan, Los Angeles, California. He put it up on January the 13th, 2009. Israel has now massacred over 300 Palestinian children in Gaza. I think the figure's up by now. According to United Nations reports, the Zionist state of Israel has now slaughtered over 900 Palestinian civilians in the Gaza Strip since December 27, 2008, when the indiscriminate bombing of Palestinian homes, schools, and mosques began. Most shocking is that more than 300 of these babies, toddlers, and young children, and there's 1,500 injured as well. This is... This war crime has got to be one of the most horrific in the history of humanity. And it's true. See, see, it's true. Why should you care about one set of people, see, in the Warsaw Ghetto who have been bombed by Nazis, and another group doing the same darn thing to another group of people inside the Gaza Strip? See, all of that is Nazism to me. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
mindful just as Alan Watt were cutting through the matrix and discussing the slaughter at Gaza and how genocide is genocide I don't care who's doing it or what excuses they give it's always the same excuses on all sides anyway they commit genocide all down through the ages going on with this article it says to add to the monstrous nature of the onslaught of the Gaza Strip Israeli armed forces are using, are using white phosphorus bombs which causes human flesh to burn to the bone and often blinds its victims. The Red Crescent Society, that's the version of the Red Cross over there, and Human Rights Watch are reporting that some children have lost their eyesight as a chemical white phosphorus burned through their eye sockets. This also burns your lungs away as well. As USA citizens view the mangled bodies of Palestinian children below, be sure that you're indirectly complicit in these murders for your tax dollars are being utilized to supply the brutal Zionists with F-16 jets, Apache helicopters, and other lethal weapons of mass destruction. And that's true because there were, there were a couple of mainstream news articles from uh, talking about a guy from the United Nations. There was a doctor who was over there. Uh, he was talking about this weaponry and showing you that they still had their, their markings on the shell casings, the parts of shell casings and so on, all made in the U.S. Approximately $5 billion per year in the U.S. military aid is shipped to Israel, and the consequences is what you see in these heart-wrenching pictures. And... It's horrific, it's utterly horrific, but I wonder if we're simply so desensitized to this. Remember, too, that Gulf War I started uh, a long time ago, and we've had years of this until we're, I think it's all quite natural. Remember Madeleine Albright when she was asked of starving to, to death thousands of Iraqis in order to get just one man and his family out, that was Saddam, was worth it. She said, without a flinch or a, or, or a, a hesitation, she says, absolutely. That's what we're dealing with here, utter monsters. Utter monsters. And then the U.S. went in and they bombed Iraq. And they blew up every facility for water and water refining, purification, and every plant that made food for the people. Because that's total war these days. That same total war will be used back home. Because remember, they're talking about 30 years of rioting. And they'll use every means at their disposal to quench them. Guarantee you. And if you can't be shocked by what's happening in your lifetime to other people, who should be shocked when it's happening to you? Now we'll go to Clarence from Oklahoma. Are you there, Clarence? Hello, Alan. <clears throat> yes. Excuse me. A little congestion today here in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. It's getting warm and the pollen's out. Wow, you're, you're lucky. <laughs> yes, it was 80 degrees today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said so much. I had, right after you, I called in right after you started the show, and I, I, I guess... And he's on the board. I think I met it in him. But I told, you know, I said, I was willing to wait until you open the lines up. And as usual, 
I had all this stuff that I said just from that first five minutes it formed in my mind, and the exposition you gave was so right on, and so on the money. It's hard for me to, you know, I, yeah. I need to I get a notepad or write or do something, you know. So, you know, I, mm-hmm. I know exactly where you're going with this. I'm I'm one quarter Cherokee. Uh, I know why I'm from Oklahoma. My part of my ancestors were forced marched uh, in the 1830s, and a quarter of them died along the way during the winter. Mm-hmm. They were kept in at stockades, yes, because gold had been discovered in their ancestral lands in Tennessee, North Carolina, and Georgia. That's that's right, yeah. And uh, you know the situation with your First Nations there in Canada. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's the same story everywhere. And then I got to think about what my father, he was in the Army Air Forces in World War II. He was a tail gunner on a B-29 bomber. They did massive bombing raids on Japan, wherein they they dropped napalm, phosphorus bombs, 1,000-pound uh, regular bombs, they mix them up so that the Japanese fire, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call them there, uh, emergency response people. If they mm-hmm. tried to deal with them, they were, you know, there was no way, you yeah. know. And I think my dad never bragged about it. No. My father never bragged. He never, and he never made a big deal out of his service because I think he really, with his, because he was half Cherokee. Mm-hmm. He kind of understood, and uh, that being the case, mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I served in the Air Force, and I, I retired from the U.S. Civil Service, and I worked for the Defense Department. Mm-hmm. At the end, I woke up about oh, right, about two, three years after nine eleven. I don't know yeah. how or why, but I found out. And I started studying, and that's why I'm listening to you tonight and to several other people on RBN. And it suddenly occurred to me I was working for a criminal enterprise. Yeah. That was the worst five years of my life, waiting for my retirement. Yeah. People say, well, why didn't you quit? I had the golden handcuffs. I had the old retirement. If I quit, I got nothing. Mm -hmm. I had to sit there and clench my teeth. But once yeah. I was out of there, I had such a feeling of freedom to be away yeah. from the evil system, and mm-hmm. I will do everything I can if it. And I know what's coming, and I can see it coming. It's coming. Oh yeah. And when I see it coming, they'll be surprised. They'll think, "Well, you were one of us, weren't you?" Well, they'll find out. Mm-hmm. I've uh, my. I found. I figured those folks out, and I figured yeah. out where they go, but right. Hmm, Right from the floor of where I worked, right up to the the international bankers. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones that keep all this stuff going, and they're the ones. I saw the movie, and you you recommended that movie, and I actually bought it on account of it. Or one of you, uh, it might have been you or one of the other hosts there. Mm -hmm. Things to Come. Yes. By H.G. Wells. The movie had uh, Raymond Massey in it. That's right. You remember at the end, and you know that, that, that people say there's no such thing as chemtrails or whatever. Look, they yeah. have gases they can put on us 
make us, you know, do whatever, to manipulate us to whatever they want us to do. And that's right. The, the scientific brotherhood of the air. That's exactly. right. Exactly. Yeah, I remember at the last there, Raymond Massey said that, you know, to stop all these wars, you know, and that's mm -hmm. why they have that. They're the ones that perpetrated them. Yes, they've right. done it for a reason. Yep. And yep. at the end, he said, we'll use the gas of peace. And That's I right. Thought, you know, gas of peace. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that does? That takes away a, per, a human beings. And, you know, I don't like war. People shouldn't fight each other. But they mm -hmm. also shouldn't be controlled. They shouldn't they should have not their be free will taken away from them. And that's yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, the, uh, the, the, uh, the chemtrails, then they did discuss calming additives to it, putting they call it calmatives, they're calling it, at the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. And they are using this stuff because they are going to use everything that Huxley suggested, including drugging the entire population to bring right. us through this. Yeah, so they're going to steal your free will. Yeah. It, 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 it's just, when I think about it, it, it is, it, it's almost more than... When a person sits and looks at it from a logical point of view, from, you know, an unemotional point of view, yeah. it's almost more than one can take. I mean, you know, how yeah. can a planet that's come to what this is, mm -hmm. uh, how can, you know, however we got here, they, they argue with it, but, you know, how can a little clever little lakes suddenly, mm -hmm. you know, come to this point to where they want to, a small yeah. click is always, you know, and probably since they came down from the trees, it's a natural thing, kind of a small click controls everything. It's oh, yeah, absolutely. Combines of men, powerful men and fraternities have been around forever uh, to control people. And the psychopathic predator types uh, gravitate toward, they can so smell each other. I've heard that, toward other. the yeah. top. That's where they tend to go. That's, That's right. probably why I never got anywhere. Well, I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. With that service, but I just wanted to mention that, and I gosh, it just well, all I can say is just just to keep keep it up. Uh, I, I try never to miss you, Alan. I try to. I'm retired now, and I didn't make it that far up the ladder, so I don't get a lot of money. But when I get a chance, I try to send a few dollars your way, and I encourage everyone out there to do the same thing. Well, thanks for calling. And that I appreciate keeps you that on too. the air, and that keeps that message going out for those that are thinking people and can yep. hear and understand. So thanks a lot. Thank you. Yeah, and I hope people do uh, donate and keep me going because I can either get out of the country now or hang around and stay, go through it with you. That's the choices I have, and it's getting hard to even exist here right now, and that's the honest truth. Now, there's a Derek from Philly on the line there, Derek. Hi, Alan. Can you hear me? Hi. Yes, I can. Yeah. Okay. Hi. Um, well, you were speaking before about the desensitization of everything, and I remember back a few years ago, maybe five years ago, when I was first waking up, quote-unquote, when first seeing, I guess, for the first time, everything that's going on, there was a website called ogreish.com. And maybe you've actually even seen it. And they actually used to have pictures of wars. They would actually show the bodies, the mangled, uh -huh. the terror of what war actually is. And that really shook me to my core. And maybe 
that was one of the things. I mean, I'm sure it was lots of things, but that definitely opened my eyes in a way. And that website that actually it used to be called Ogreish. It's actually called LiveLeak.com now, and that's all. That's CIA, obviously CIA website. Yeah. But mm-hmm. so it's safe almost. It doesn't even exist anymore. You know, mm-hmm. but, um, whatever you want to say about that. But it's true, it's true, uh, we've been desensitized. And as I say, entertainment standard fare is slaughter, uh, and, and this glorification of high-tech weaponry and, uh, pray James Bondish, it's all to desensitize us. But it, it's also to make you feel so weak and helpless against, uh, but it seems to be incredible odds. So psychological warfare is also being used right now on the, the general public. And that's why they give us these press releases on, on uh, advanced uh, non-lethal and lethal weaponry is to terrify the public. Well, the, the chemtrails, Alan, I mean, to any sane person, I mean, everyone must be insane, literally. I was walking down the street to the store yesterday, yeah. and, you know, they were spraying above us. And I, was, look, I actually live in Philadelphia. I'm not I'm forced to live here, actually. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but... Um, I was looking up through the buildings. Maybe that's why people don't even look up. You can barely even see the sky when you live in a city. But, a city. So, but they actually, it, it, the way they were spraying, there was like little dashes in the sky. So obviously, yeah. even even if someone would supposed to think that they were contrails, which is the common disinfo, they couldn't even possibly be contrails. They were like in little perfect dashes in the sky. That's right. Yeah. You know? It, it is. And, and even in the country... I, I've met people uh, when the, maybe there's maybe 40 trails above your head crisscrossing, and you, you ask a person to look up, and they won't even look up. It's the oddest reaction. Uh, but I've met that quite a few times. Yeah. Well, I, I was actually walking, and I guess I, I guess I was the crazy person. I'm, I'm not actually a crazy person at all, but as maybe people can hear on the phone, but. I was looking up at the sky and, and I was speaking. I was saying, "Oh, why, why doesn't everyone look up? <laughs> look at the sky. Look at those. Look at those. Those lines in the sky. Those don't look like clouds." And not a single person looked up. And I know it's like a mm-hmm. common sociable norms that was, I guess, a crazy person thing to do. That's it. If it's not on the mainstream news, like Brzezinski said, they won't believe it. They, they didn't even look up, and it was not a single person. And I know, you know, I've been going through this for a while. This isn't really news to me, but I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who are who can sympathize and understand as well as you. Yes, and I appreciate you very much, Alan. Thank you. Well, thanks for calling. I appreciate that too. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's astonishing because uh, we, we have been trained that the media is there to do our thinking for us and to warn us about things and. People have put their reasoning aside and allowed the media to do it for them, exactly like Brzezinski said, and yet the warning signs are all over the place. To get back to the, the previous caller, there's a book, it's worth reading, it's called Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. That's a history of what happened to the Indians on that uh, Trail of Tears, as they call it. That's, what, that's man's inhumanity to man especially when they're classified as non-productive in a commercialized economic system. And basically that's how we're all being looked at now. It's great how things go around and come around, eh? Because we're all looking at the fact that we're uh, superfluous and we have no functions anymore in a post-industrial society and it's going to be our turn. In fact, that's why 
we've been pretty well sterilized. I've quoted the figures from the UN's health department and all the rest of it. They're not shocked about it because it's the agenda. And people are coming down with cancers left, right, and center. And again, there's no shock or crisis about it. It's just, well, we're just evolving into this new way, you see. It's being done. It's being done. If we ever have access from high records in high places, you know we'd have no option but to go after them for killing us. You know that. And they know that, too. They know that, too. This is deliberate. It's all deliberate. And it's amazing, too, how they run us like a business. They'll get, they'll get us or one generation to go off and fight their wars for them. They'll, they'll, they'll flatten a city like Tokyo because it's really a big rebuilding project that's planned to take over after it's flattened, you see, to get into a new high-tech society planned during World War II by, by those around FDR to restructure Japan into a modern city and make it the electronics capital of the world. That was all done during World War II. But first, you've got to clear out the old houses that they lived in and bring in the new massive contracts again for the big boys from the West. So they profit in destroying uh, because they make the weaponry and they profit from the building contracts, etc., etc., etc. Did the same in Germany and other countries as well. Big business. And once they've used you, all the young ones who are in the military right now, you come down sick in a couple of years when, once you come out because designed that way you don't want healthy warriors well trained living in society in city street when all hell's breaking loose back with more after this break I'm Alan Watt. This is cutting for the Matrix. We might manage to squeeze one more caller in. And we've got Mike from New York on the line. Are you there, Mike? Hey, Alan. How are you doing? Uh, a, a change of topic, Alan. The movie, The Wicker Man. The Wicker yeah. Man, the movie. Is there a uh, hidden meaning in that movie? Or, or, it's, um, or, you're talking about the first one that was made, the older yeah, one. The, yeah, the one, in, the one in the early 70s. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was full of full of meeting, uh, meaning to do with a form of nature worship, uh, sexual energy released through the act, etc., sure. which is all part of the big high system as well. Sure, and, but, okay. Yeah, but yeah, they used an awful lot of, of uh, the occult stuff in that movie. It was one of the first ones to actually use uh, true uh, historical types of occult ritual and so on. Okay. Okay, Alan, thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Yeah, you find that in some of these movies. I used to wonder why they wouldn't go off the script and, and even invent some past occult uh, ritualistic stuff, but they don't. They actually go into the real histories and use the real stuff. It's kind of like Eyes Wide Shut, the uh, same kind of idea. Eyes Wide Shut had all so much in it to do with ritualism and games of the elite. That's how they passed their time at the top. I was going to read more about uh, judges in England who are covering up for lots of pedophiles and the escapades that the judges themselves get up to. And the fact this article talks about them, it's from, people should look it up, it's from the UKcolumn.org, uh, top of the, facial, uh, the faceless judiciary 
the fact that these judges are all covering up for various paedophiles and all the rest of it. But that doesn't surprise me at all. As I say, it ties them with eyes wide shut when they have these big orgy-type scenarios at the very, very top, the sexual energy idea. And you can trace all that way again to Benjamin Franklin and the Hellfire Club that he belonged to as well. Nothing new in it at all, but it's amazing how they've trained the whole population to view them as respectable people. At the t- they've trained us, you see, to see something completely different. Well, you wouldn't believe what these guys at the top are truly into, men and women. It, it's horrific. It's, one guy w- was basically almost got off with something for pedophilia, and he was into level five uh, snuff movies for children with the snuff children during sex. And this judge sympathized with them in England. That means that they contain images of children being tortured or raped. And judges sympathize with these sort of characters. But mind you, when you see how many judges have been caught dead in weird situations, dressed up in all funny kinds of ways, in Britain, it doesn't surprise me at all. But the article is very good to read because it goes into the fact that most of the stuff is in the upper elite, the crust. It's not, a, it's not for the man and woman on, on the street. Most of the stuff is up there for some reason or another, where all the deviant stuff really goes on. And we see that too with the Bohemian Grove, when they bring in various male or female prostitutes at the end. And this is their idea of having a good time, these very respectable people they run banks, they are the, the, the military-industrial complex, they run it, they decide the wars, and so on. And yet they behave in such a base, disgusting, and I can't even say childish, it's beyond childish manner. That's what runs the world. These are the monsters in charge right now. Well, that's the music, so from Hamish and myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.